0: Good evening, everybody. Good to be with you again as we continue to study the book of Revelation. Again, let's just have a short word of prayer uh, before we continue with our study tonight. Father, we just thank you again for the privilege of being able to study your word and to look at what is going to happen in the future. We just thank you, Lord, for the privilege that we have of knowing you of serving you and the privilege of being able to study your word that we serve the one and only true god we just thank you for this in the wonderful and precious name of jesus amen revelation chapter 14 then i looked and behold the lamb standing on mount zion and with him one hundred and forty-four thousand having his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters and like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. And they sang as it were a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. These are the ones who were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These were redeemed from among men, being first fruits to God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they were without fault before the throne of God." The 144,000, we were introduced to them in uh, Revelation chapter 7. And they are a missionary corps of redeemed Jews who are instrumental in the salvation of many Jews and Gentiles during the tribulation period. And here we see that these 144,000 have his father's name written on their foreheads. And this is a counterpart mark, if you could use that phrase, to the mark of the beast. It is a mark that will identify these 144,000 as belonging to God. And we read here, that they sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000. And here they are rejoicing over the accomplishment of God's redemptive work before the Messiah or Christ's return uh, to the earth. And in verse 4, we see that these are the ones who were not defiled with women. It's an illustration here of God's ability to keep these 144,000 pure in the midst of great difficulty. Uh, And it indicates as well that these 144,000 Jewish evangelists would not have only resisted the perverse system of the Antichrist, but they would have also resisted the temptations of illicit sex and they follow the lamb which indicates that they are loyal to him at whatever the cost and these were redeemed from among men being first fruits to God and to the lamb and in their mouth was found no deceit. These 144,000 being first fruit offerings indicates here that these men have been set apart for special uh, service to God. And no deceit found in their mouth means that they speak God's truth accurately, uh, precisely, without any exaggeration. And it says where they are without fault, it doesn't mean that they are. Sinless, but it means that they are sanctified. They are without fault. Verse 6, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth and the sea and springs of water. And another angel followed saying, Babylon is fallen, the great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So here we see in verse 6. An angel preaching the good news concerning everlasting life and entrance into the kingdom of God. And this angel is urging people of the world to change their allegiance from the beast to the lamb. And we know that the gospel is that we are saved by grace. The gospel of Christ is the uh, gospel of peace, it's the glorious gospel. Uh, It's the gospel of the kingdom. And this is the only way that we can be saved. God saves by forgiving us our sin when we respond to Him and to what Jesus did on the cross for us. And at this time, God still opens up His kingdom to all who will repent and believe. And the whole world is going to hear this preaching by. The angel, as God graciously calls people to salvation. And that's what it says there that this angel was flying in the midst of the heaven, um, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth. So, what we see in in, in the book of Revelation, uh, we don't see the church here, and we see the 144,000 Jewish evangelists sharing the gospel. We have the two witnesses. And here we have an angel flying in the midst of heaven proclaiming the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth. The angel also encourages the people to fear God and to give glory to Him. And to fear God is not... He's encouraging the people not to fear Satan or the Antichrist. And this is always the theme of Scripture, calling people to give glory, honor, and worship, and reverence to God, because He is the only true God. And in verse 8, we see here that another angel followed, saying, Babylon is is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink, Of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Babylon refers to the entire worldwide political, economic, and religious system of the Antichrist. And a lack of response to the first angel's message is going to cause this second angel to pronounce this judgment. And Babylon was the birthplace of idolatry. Uh, We see that in uh, the book of Genesis where the residents of Babylon built the Tower of Babel, and it was a monument to rebelliousness and false religion. And after God had confounded and confused Uh, men's language and speech at the Tower of Babel. He scattered them uh, throughout the world, and subsequently people spread uh, false religion and idolatry uh, throughout the world. And where the scripture says there, Babylon is fallen, is fallen that great city because she has made all nations drink Of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. This pictures Babylon causing the entire world to become intoxicated with her pleasures and to enter into an orgy of rebellion, hatred, and idolatry towards God. And fornication here is spiritual prostitution to the Antichrist's false system. And verse 9 tells us here, Then the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Anyone that is loyal to the Antichrist and to the Antichrist's kingdom, and anyone that receives his mark is going to suffer the outpouring of God's wrath. And God's wrath is not just an impulsive outburst of anger aimed at people that God doesn't like. It is a steady, settled response of a righteous God against Sin. And God deals here with those who worship the Antichrist and who worship the beast and his image and who receives the mark of his name. And the torment um, that they suffer ascends forever and ever and they have no rest day and night. And here it's a reference to Um, suffering eternally in hell. And the torment there is ceaseless. As we've mentioned before, it's not a place that one actually wants to land up going to. And God has made a way for us not to be able to get to that place, but to get to heaven because of what Jesus has done for us. And the only way that we can get to heaven is to believe in the finished work of the cross and what Jesus did and accomplished for us through his death and resurrection. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labours and their works follow them. Verse 14 Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud Thrust in your sickle and reap for the time has come for you to reap for the harvest of the earth is ripe so he who sat on the cloud thrust his sickle on the earth and the earth was reaped and this is a picture here the one who sat on the cloud like the son of man we know that that refers to Jesus having a sickle in his hand it's a harvesting tool uh, a sharp, curved um, uh, piece of steel uh, or a iron blade that's got a wooden handle. And it was used by ancient farmers to cut grain. And here, Jesus having this uh, sickle in his hand, what it represents is the swift and devastating judgment that is about to come upon the earth. 17, then another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar who had power over fire, and he cried with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city, and blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridles for 1,600 furlongs. So verse 18 there, another angel who came out from the altar who had power over fire, what that refers to there, this angel associated with fire on the altar represents the prayers of the saints. And fire uh, refers to the constantly burning fire that was on the brass, brass altar of the temple in Jerusalem. And twice a day, the priest would burn incense with that fire and offer the burning incense in the holy place as a symbol of the people's prayers to the Lord. And this angel is coming from the heavenly altar to ensure that all the prayers of all the saints that have been praying for judgment and the coming kingdom, that these prayers are answered. And he calls for judgment to start. In verse 19, where we read about uh, the winepress. This is really very, very vivid uh, imagery which uh, symbolizes and signifies the horrible slaughter or bloodbath that is going to take place um, when the enemies of God are slaughtered. Uh, And all of those who are facing Uh, the wrath of God and destruction at the Battle of Armageddon, which is the final battle against God's uh, enemies on the plains of Megiddo. And this bloody imagery uh, comes here um, from the fresh grape juice that is stomped on grapes. And what happens when people stomp on the grapes, it runs... From a trow or a trough, from a upper vat to a lower vat, um, which is then where this uh, wine or uh, grape juice is stored. And what is communicated to us here in sc- in scripture that the wine press was trampled outside the city, and blood came out of the wine press up to the horses' bridles for 1,600 furlongs. Outside the city, it's referring to the city of Jerusalem, and God is going to determine that this battle will occur outside of the city of Jerusalem. We read in uh, Zechariah chapter 14, uh, verses 1 to 5, uh, it tells us there that during this time that Jerusalem will be attacked but it will not be destroyed but will be spared for the glory of the coming kingdom and that a believing remnant will be saved as the Lord defends them and the city against the nations. And this battle is going to be so horrendous here that it says that blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridles for 1,600 furlongs. Now up to the horse's bridles that could be as high as four feet Um, which means here that possibly there's going to be such a tremendous volume of blood that's going to flow that it could easily form troughs that are four feet deep in some places and uh, this event that we are talking about here is described in uh, Revelation uh, chapter 19, which we're still going to get there. And where it talks about uh, the blood flowing for up to 1,600 furlongs, uh, one furlong is approximately 200 meters. So five furlongs is going to be about a kilometer. So 1,600 uh, furlongs is a distance of 320 kilometers, which is almost the entire length of the land of Israel. And this judgment against the enemies of God uh, at the battle of uh, Armageddon is going to be an absolutely horrendous battle where God is going to slaughter all his enemies who actually come against Uh, the nation of Israel, and this is going to be the final battle that takes place before the Lord physically returns to the earth. That's the end of chapter 14, and that's where we are going to uh, finish tonight. Next week, we are going to look at chapters 15 and 16, Chapters 15 deals with the prelude to the bold judgments, and then chapter 16 deals with the bold judgments themselves. Father, we just thank you again for the opportunity of studying your word. Although what we've uh, read about tonight uh, is horrendous, but we see, Lord, that you are going to judge those who give their allegiance to the antichrist and to those who worship uh, the beast and as they come against the nation of israel that you are going to judge them and we just see lord that as we've read tonight that your uh, judgment is not just uh, something which is um, haphazard but is something that is Uh, consistent against sin. And we are so appreciative of the fact tonight that you sent Jesus, that you judged our sin when Jesus died on the cross for us, that we don't have to pay the penalty for our sin, that it has already been paid for us, and that because we have put our faith and our trust in you, and in the finished work of the cross, that we have everlasting life. And so we just thank you for that, Lord, in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. God bless you, and I trust that you'll have a wonderful week.